Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 76. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Hello, Jared. No, no dumb this week. Uh, we didn't no have an dumb. episode last week either. I was having some construction done on my uh, roof so it would have been really loud and I couldn't really do anything about it. I'm not going to tell a guy like, hey, stop working on our roof. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's why there wasn't any episode last week. Um, so just hop into it while you've been playing. It's been two weeks. I haven't been playing a whole lot of, like, a variety of games, but I've been playing a specific number of games a whole lot. Um, so the first thing I want to get out of the way, my Destiny 2 update of the week. Uh, I've finished the raid multiple times now. Uh, I'm currently in the process of finishing the raid just in hopes of gathering all of the raid armor. It's just, like, a personal goal of mine. Um, I'm 304. Max light level is 305. Um, and the only thing I'm missing is a 305 Titan mark. Um, I have everything else 305. I have a 304 Titan Mark. It's just the one thing that's holding me. So uh, if I happen to get the um, the Raid Titan Mark, I'll be 305 and good to go. And once I get that Raid Armor, I think I'm just good. I'm going to quit Cold Turkey on Destiny 2 till the DLC. I'm not buying the DLC 100%. I'm going to wait and see what it is because I remember a lot of people got burned with that first set of DLC for uh, Destiny 1. It wasn't until... Uh, what was it called? Uh... Not the iron. It was. What it was. was it? So it was uh, House of Wolves, then Vault yep. of Glass, right? No, Vault of Glass was the name of the first raid. It was called oh, okay. Iron something, Harvest. No, that's not right. That's a, that's you're thinking of Easy Allies. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, so I'm I'm holding off. I'm gonna hold off for the second piece of the first piece of DLC for Destiny Two, just in case uh, it doesn't live up to the potential or whatever. Um, it's not a hundred percent a buy for me. Anyways. Also been playing Cuphead. I said last time we spoke that I would finish the game and I'd be start. I would start grinding to complete the game. Uh, I completed the game. I'll talk about the end of that game. Um, but what I wanted to say first is that I'm currently going back and trying to get A marks on all of the levels. Um, mm. And the thing, the thing I really enjoy about this game is when I started this game and I was playing through the levels, I was like, man, getting an A rank in all these levels is going to be difficult. It's going to be a task. I'm going to have to sit there and grind and grind. As I'm going through and trying to get these A ranks now that I've completed the game, these bosses are way easier the second time around because obviously my skills progressed. Yeah, and it's it's way easier. And I'm like, oh, I can do this in my sleep. Maybe not, maybe not in my sleep, but like it's way easier. It's like night and day, right? Um, yeah. So the end of the game... Have you gotten to the end, Jordan? No, I actually haven't gone back to it since I said I was going to restart okay. it. I haven't even restarted Do you mind me yet. stating something about the second-to-last boss? It's not too spoiler. I just want to explain something real quick, if you're fine with that. Um, I was actually listening to Mr. Tim Geddes talk about yeah. it on the way home on the Kind of Funny Games cast. So, yeah, go so, ahead. Okay, so, yeah, this is something that I disagree with Tim on. Um, Tim talked about how... It was frustrating, and the it, it it changed the pacing of the game in a negative way, and he felt it was the only area where he kind of felt like he hit a wall. I Let me preface this by saying I completely understand every point he made and where he comes from. I think me and him just approach this second-to-last level a lot differently. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line it up for you, Jordan, as best as I can, and I'll explain to you my process, okay? So the last the second-to-last level is... Uh, a set of 16 little blocks, 1 to 16, 16 being the end mark, and you want to get there. A dice pops up that you have to parry, and it slowly rotates with the number 1, 2, and 3. Maybe not slowly, but it's not like super fast, right? So, 
looking at the dice, you can time it to parry on the number. It's not hard at all. It's not one of these things where you have to like sit there and super focus. There's a lot of leeway, in my opinion, to get the number you specifically want. And what happens is, depending on the number you parry, that's the spaces you move forward. Okay, so yeah, there's sure. there's a there's the beginning space, then there's uh, three spaces that are all bosses. There's a safe space, then three spaces that are all bosses, then a safe space, three spaces that are all bosses, a safe space, start over, and then the end, right? So there's these three level chunks in between. Now all So are those checkpoints? Uh, no, uh, no, there's no checkpoints at all. But I'll get to that real quick. So the nine spaces for the nine bosses are all new bosses you haven't seen in the game before. They're all very new. But they're not multi-stage bosses like any of the other ones. They're one stage one simple rotation of their movements and attacks and they have really they have like one third of the health or maybe like two fourths of the health of the other bosses in the game so it's not apples to apples at all right um yeah so the way i played through it is that first section of three bosses i figured out i i i specifically landed on each of them to figure out which because you have to land on one of them you only have you can only move a maximum of three spaces I figured out which one of those three bosses I felt was easiest to me to, to beat. And I wrote that number down. So I was like, okay, the second boss in, on these three, I can do no problem. So I wrote that down. So every time I started restarted it, I made sure to hit the dice roll of two, so I landed on that specific boss, right? This is also another thing with Cuphead. If you play the same boss over and over again, you get used to it and you get better at it, and it just becomes uh, muscle memory, right? I did that yeah. throughout, so I figured out which boss on each individual thing I knew which one to hit. Um, so I would hit two, then I would hit another two so I can get to the safe space, and then I just figured out the three bosses I would need to beat. That's it. Simple. And I obviously knew how to hit the dice, so I would never get the start over thing. My honest opinion, like, you just, I guess, don't really pay attention to the fact that you can... I guess some people think it's randomized or something, but it's like... I mean, Jordan, it's really easy to get the number you want on this, dude. Like, really easy. So, like, when you're yeah. at that second to last space and you're like, I can't roll a one, I need to roll a two or a three to get to the end, it's like you can easily make that work. The way some people yeah. are talking about this is like it's super random, it's difficult, it's frustrating. It's really not, to be, in my opinion anyways, and I'm not some, like, platformer savant or something, but I just found a system that worked. I figured out the bosses I needed to do, and I systematically approached it like that, right? Completely worked for me, finished it, went on to the devil, played the devil, finished it, finished the game. So I just wanted to get that grab out there because I've seen a lot of people talk about uh, that second to last boss. And I'm not discounting that for some people it might have thrown off the pace of the game and they didn't like it or they found it too difficult and not rewarding. But for me, when I first saw it, I figured out the approach I wanted to make with it because I understood what was at hand. And man, the dice roll is like super easy to get. So. That was just something for me because I hadn't gotten to the dice party yet before I heard Tim talk about it. So I was like, ooh, I, I'm worried because I I was in love with Cuphead, right? I'm like, oh, man, this. I hope it's not the way he's talking about it. And I went in and I was like, oh, I understand what works for me. So I found it super approachable and easy and uh, easy to get through, you know? So even though I'm pretty early on uh, where I was at when I stopped, um, there's obviously a lot of timing. Uh, that you have to get right in yeah. many different instances. So it just seems like another instance of that, you know, more exactly. often throughout and the, the one battle, but I still think it would sounds manageable. Oh, yeah, and throughout the game, there's these three mausoleums you go to, and they actually help you get better at parrying. 
And I think that's a yeah. huge thing too. Like this whole game builds upon itself, which I love. Um, and yeah, I really don't think that end part was 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 difficult, man. Like I understand some people got frustrated with it, but I, I do think if they would have approached it a lot differently and understood things a little bit more, I think they would have had a lot easier of a time, you know? Um, it it does sound like they switch up the pacing, though, pretty hard for that, because, uh, I mean, you would know better than I, but it seems like they're just three-stage bosses for the most part up until then, and then even the one after that. So, um, um, the stages. So, the the last couple of bosses before you get to the the en- the end uh, where you fight the dice guy and then you eventually fight the devil, they there's multiple bosses that have more than three parts and a lot of the bosses you get towards the end have like four or five parts. Um, so at the end of it, what happens is you fight these and if you're good at the dice roll and everything, you fight a minimum of three bosses, like I stated, like the way I worked it. That are only one stage, and then you fight the Dice King himself, and I don't think that boss fight is really hard either. It's all about pairing, too. It's actually one of the easiest boss fights in the game, I think, um, when you get to him. So it's like, just think of it like a four-stage boss, and I don't think it's actually that hard. Uh, Tim also yeah. talked about how it like, took eight minutes to complete. For me, it took like closer to like five minutes. But remember, that's because I... Uh, I forgot the proper... like I was just very efficient at it. I knew... Cause right. I, I only did three bosses because I knew how to figure that out and do the dice roll and stuff. So I don't know if somebody like him who was just like hitting the dice trying to get there was fighting four or five bosses. You know what I mean? Maybe, um, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just, for me, the way I approached it, it felt great for me. Um, I do want to applaud them for, after you finish the game on normal, you get uh, an extreme difficulty mode. And that's the only way you can Jesus. S-rank levels. And Fucking no, Christ. The only thing it changes is the speed of hits. Um, from what I've seen so far, it doesn't seem to add any new stages or anything. So as you've already played through this game and you know these bosses, you just go back and you have to be a little bit more skillful and speedy at your maneuvers. But like, mm. like I was able to S rank a couple of levels, and I'm not sitting there gnawing away at it, trying hard, like you know, getting super angry at it. It's just coming with the skills I've built up through the game. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying the game. I don't know if I'll 100% it or not. I only need like eight achievements. Some of them are a little too much for me, like beating the end boss or beating the game on extreme, which is getting all S ranks and levels. I don't think I'm going to do that. Maybe just because I, I think I'll eventually do it, but not at the current stage we are with um, all these games coming out, right? That's not my sure. priority right now. Anyways, that's enough about Cuphead. Still love the game. It's in my game of the year contender. Really love it. Um,. I love that it alludes to the possibility of a sequel without saying, like, we are doing a sequel. I, those endings I like because they provide enough closure for people who are okay with it, but they give enough uh, optimism to those who want more. So I think that's cool. It's like a half-open door kind of thing, you know? Um, I'm expecting an expansion. Yeah. Any 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 more content from this I would love. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, and I won't go too long because I've already been talking for a bit, and it Sorry for the, the, the dog in the background. It's just going to happen this week, unfortunately. Um, I can't hear it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I've been playing Breath of the Wild as well. That was the third game I've been playing. And my goal was to finish this game, mainline it, uh, before Super Mario Odyssey came out. Already have Super Mario Odyssey preloaded, ready to go. Can't wait for tomorrow. Um, but yeah, my goal was to mainline this game and finish it. I got the first Divine Beast down, uh, the Elephant Divine Beast. Um 
really fun. I think the Divine Beasts are like, so far for me, the best parts of Breath of the Wild because they're what I expect out of a Zelda game. The shrines are like, really boring to me, in my opinion. I just, they're, I've only done like 14 of them and I'm already kind of bored with them. You don't uh, like them little puzzles? I like them, but like, it, it's just not enough carrot on a stick for me, you know? It's like, cool, I'm gonna, and I think this goes back to the deteriorating equipment. It's like, I can work hard to try to get that extra chest in here, uh, for what? For, like, a sword, I'll, it'll be damaged after, like, three fights. I don't know. It's, it's more just, the, uh, orbs, which allow you to upgrade your health and stamina. Yeah, any, but even then, though, that doesn't really, that doesn't give me enough of a carrot on a stick for me to enjoy them. It's more, it feels more like a... Like a tedious side quest or something in another RPG, you know. I'm like, oh, I have to go and do a couple of these shrines to get another heart, whatever. Like, I'm just not enjoying them, to be completely honest with you. I enjoyed like the first like eight or nine of them, but I'm already like kind of bored on them. Uh, so I completed the second uh, Divine Beast as well. Um, and I did the Gerudo Town Divine Beast, which is a giant camel. Um, I liked uh, you having to cross dress to get into the city. Um, my other complaint is, uh, so you know when you're, have you, you've done that Divine Beast, have you, Jordan? No, like I said, I, uh, I really got sucked into the, the world and yeah. the side stuff, and, um, I don't even think I finished the first Divine Beast. I got to it, but I, I think that's, like, where I would be at right now if I jumped back in. Okay. Um. Yeah, I got real sidetracked on that one. Uh, and I think I would have too, but I'm, I was spe specifically playing in mind of doing mainlining stuff, right? Because I didn't want to yeah. get sidetracked because I knew Mario was right around the corner. Yeah, so my issue with it is during this Divine Beast, you have to go to uh, the Yiga clan's hideout and you have to defeat their boss. Um, in that middle section, when you get there, you have to do this like stealth section where you have to like throw stuff to distract the enemies and if you don't you basically this gate comes down and I, it's impossible for me to kill a majority of the enemies and I die and I have to restart now I'm not griping on me dying to these enemies because they're meant to be difficult no matter what point of the game you're in considering the fact I'm mainlining it's going to be extra difficult that's not what I have a gripe with I just don't think the stealth sections are in, in like enjoyable like I don't think there's a lot of creativity to it um, I, I just I it's not something that I enjoy repeating because it feels to me whenever I would get caught, it wasn't because the game was designed well. It was because it was designed cheaply, in air quotes. Like, I don't know. I just didn't think the stealth sections were designed very well. And I understand, you know, Breath of the Wild is an open world game. It's not about, it's not stealth gameplay that you're looking for. But this was something that was impeding my progress to a Divine Beast, which is a big section of the game. And uh, there also a is a stealth like mode where you can uh drop link down into stealth yeah mode. that's what so you have like, to if do if it's gonna yeah. be there then then make it good yeah i just i'm i didn't enjoy that um i will eventually go back and play this game i'm not gonna mainline it anymore just because i was like i was trying that was kind of my goal and because i didn't do that i'm not gonna focus on that anymore i'm just gonna play it as is whenever i'm done with super mario odyssey but like i enjoy this game i think this is a very good game I just, it's nowhere near, um, anywhere near my quote-unquote top 10 for the year at all. Like, wow. I just, I just am, and it's, it's strange, because, like, 
I don't dislike the game. I just am not really having a whole lot of fun playing it, if that makes sense. I mean, it's funny because I'm playing the devil's advocate here for you, but I was like more negative than anybody that I had known, I know. you know, or heard. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think it's a very good game. I think it's a great game. But yeah. yeah, I don't think it's the masterpiece that everyone made it out to be. And I'm hoping that that's not the case with Mario Odyssey because clearly the game's media industry has rose-tinted glasses for Nintendo, and that's pretty upsetting. We've talked about that before. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm, I have no doubts that Odyssey is going to be great, but I'm just hoping that that hyperbole is not present here as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that my big issue with, with Breath of the Wild 2 is, like, people talk about it as, like, re- reinventing the open world game and stuff like that. And I said this. Yeah, this was right. one of my This was one of my big concerns before we got our hands on it, or at least before I got my hands on it, was that, to me, it didn't seem like it did anything special. The big thing people always talk about is that, you could climb everything. And, like, <laughs> to me, that's technically not correct because you can't climb everything because you have a stamina right. meter. So unless you have full stamina, not every wall can be climbed to the top. You can start you, climbing it, got, and then you can a fall. Bunch of, if you got your pack filled up with... Uh, Potions and stuff, you know, yeah. Yeah, food um, to boost, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that is a climbing's all right i think sometimes they use climbing to their disadvantage where they use it as a as a crutch for um making areas of the game interesting so it's like you have to climb this part to get somewhere and the only thing that's interesting here is that there's guardian set up specifically to where you're going to be climbing you know what i mean yeah i don't know it just the world doesn't feel very full i i think the world is one of the most empty open world games i've played and, mm-hmm. yeah, there's probably examples of open worlds being way more empty. I'm talking about specifically my personal experiences of, like, not – I don't know. You've run into very few characters, and don't get me wrong. There's some characters, some side characters I've run into that I love, but, like, majority of them are just, like, why are we even having this conversation for the most part? Like, <laughs> for, I guess for me – the difference is in in playing like Elder Scrolls or Fallout or even I've haven't played a whole lot of Witcher like I think like ten hours. The thing to me in those games and obviously Witcher I think does it way better than the other two. When I even talk to people, even if they're saying some nonsense that doesn't mean anything, I care about the world they're talking in so I can relate it to things that I know about the world, right? Whereas yeah. like in this game with Breath of the Wild, it's like they're saying some stuff and I'm just like. It, this doesn't matter to me. This holds no weight at all. Like, I don't... Uh, this yeah. conversation could not happen at all. So, I don't know if it's just my gripe with, like, the the world that they built. I don't know. I just... I'm not you know, super... part of that... Part of that could be the fact that they're not voiced. Because they did this stupid half-ass voice thing where they're like, yeah, we'll voice, you know, some of the cutscenes, not even all of them. Yeah. And then all the characters around the world, yeah, they're still just dialogue bubbles. It's like so half-assed and and you know people have been waiting for zelda to be fully voiced for so long and then they they do it in this way and and i just really don't like that aspect of it so that may be why those characters aren't affecting you personally too like i think the the like locations like the water kingdom which i can't remember the name of it's something's god it's escaping me uh zoria's zoro's uh, domain zoro's domain zoro's domain yeah those cities, I expect when I'm entering the empire of an entire race, for it to be, <laughs> for it to be on a on a grander scale than it is. I expect this town to be huge, and maybe it doesn't need yeah. to have a lot of like 
like you know houses you can get into and all this stuff like i want a little bit more grandeur to it like these are supposed to be these empires you know these giant towns these bustling metropolises in this apparent large open world and to me my experience is okay i need to get to zoro's domain it's the kingdom of these like fish people i get there it's like two walkways three walkways and like a throne room and i'm like this is your kingdom yeah in this giant vast open world game like i think the smallest towns in skyrim have more personality than than, than the towns i've run into in breath of the wild you know yeah. gerudo town and zoro's domain it's like oh they're just these small areas like i expect more from like you hear about going to these kingdoms you know like yeah. i don't know it just i, I and agree. i hate I hate to gripe on it a whole lot. I hate to be the pessimist. Like I still, I still think it's a great game. It's just there's a lot of things it isn't necessarily doing for me that I would expect from an experience. I'm gonna continue to play it after Super Mario Odyssey takes away most of my time. I'm gonna get to finish this game. I want to see the story, um, but I just don't see a lot of what people um, put this on a pedestal for. You know, so yeah, I, don't know. I think you're being totally fair, and I think that. You know, we need some people that are willing to uh, speak uh, more honestly and more in a more level-headed sense about about these uh, Nintendo games and isn't just, you know, blind by nostalgia. So I can appreciate that. Yeah, it's like, for me, they feel like Mario Towns. And the reason I'm making that direct comparison is because I'm about to play Odyssey. Like, in Mario, it's never really been about the story. It's about the platforming and all these activities you can do. So when you hop into a Mario game, in my opinion, and you know the the, the desert level with the ice that we've seen in Odyssey, when there's like three or four buildings, I'm okay with that because I'm like, yeah, this isn't supposed to be a city. These are like areas I check in on with Mario and then I go and do the rest of what Mario is. With yeah. Zelda in this open world game, the way they're making it seem is like, no, this is a Skyrim, Fallout, Witcher type adventure for Nintendo. When I go to these cities, like I said, are that are supposed to be the empires of these races, and I get there, and it's just like, there, it's such flat architecture for at least for Gerudo Town. There's not a lot of pompous or circumstance. Like it just, it there's not. I don't know. They just don't live up to the expectations that they try to set for themselves. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, just, I definitely think they were trying to make uh, as an open world with the size that would. Uh, um, rival other games of this day, but I think that they didn't realize that um, they weren't at all, um, you know, living up to the density of those. And it would have been dense enough if they had just kind of truncated everything and pushed it into a smaller map, but but they wanted to spread everything out well, so that their map looked comparable to other maps. I also think it would be more forgivable if we had a number of legitimate dungeons like i think the shrines are fine but my only like true zelda experience in this game is the divine beast because they're actual dungeons where i have to go through and figure out things and they're multi-layered you know the shrines are yeah. fine they're very simple i mean they're difficult sometimes to figure out but they're very simple in their mechanics but like if there was more like actual dungeons in this game i think i would be okay with the lack of grandeur in the cities but the fact that there's like these very sparse shrines everywhere it's like instead of getting instead of getting like a whole meal of three really good entrees they gave me hundreds of sides you know yeah yeah that's what i it totally feels like. agree and that's fine i think that's what nintendo thinks people like about open world games is 
this giant world with a, bu a bunch of little things to do and I agree to an extent that that's what people like in open world games if you also have these set pieces or core things that people enjoy that they yeah. can do in between all the little side things and I think this game is full of little side things but nothing prominent outside of four divine beasts four four things in the entire game you know so right I don't know yeah, it's just it's, it's not all the way there yeah and once again good game not my game of the year Hopefully Odyssey will be that. I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of expectations for it, so hopefully it meets that. But I'm done talking about Zelda. We'll talk. I'll talk about it with Dom too when he gets back. But I don't want to come out and be pessimistic about it. I think there's a lot of good things with the game, but I just it's. I feel like I feel like the asshole, you know, because I'm like the one. I'm like one of the only guys that's like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. I'm hearing all these people like, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm not saying they're necessarily lying, but like for me, it just it doesn't do a whole lot, you know. So. Hey, welcome to the club, man. I felt the same way for a long time. So. Yeah. Uh, what have um, you been playing, though? I've been talking a whole lot. No, you're good, man. It was a good discussion. Uh, first of all, I want to say uh, we'll have a, a more Switch-centric topic once Dom gets back, kind of evaluating yep. the system. But I just want to say, at the beginning of that conversation, you dropped the fact that you had preloaded Mario Odyssey, and I was like, wait, what the fuck? So I went and got my Switch and went into the store. I had already put uh, some money in there just so that it would be set aside and ready to go for Odyssey. <coughs> Excuse me. And I see that uh, in the coming soon section, Mario Odyssey says pre-purchase on it. And I had just been in the store a couple days ago looking at other stuff and saw the coming soon tab and it didn't say pre-purchase. Um, so I just want to say that's real bullshit that, uh, first of all, the fact that the console didn't launch with the ability to preload games because that's been on uh, 3DS for years now, yeah. and uh, it is a modern gaming uh, console that should absolutely be able to do that, just like you and I were talking about uh, the lack of Bluetooth before the show and how egregious that is. Um, and then, you know, I look at the other games that are coming soon in the store, and Mario's the only one that you can pre-purchase, and so it's just... There's a like I said, we'll get into it more when the, with the full topic. But there's just a lot of stuff like almost logistic wise with the Switch that is just kind of bunk. It's really kind of obnoxious, and so um, I just wanted to call that out because that's really dumb. I'm, I'm preloading it now, and obviously that's well before the time it's going to unlock tonight. But uh, just stupid. Um, the only reason I knew about that is because I was watching, I think, Games Daily yesterday, or maybe it was Easy. I was watching something, and they were talking about... couldn't have been Easy yet because they recorded early. I think it was Games Daily, and they were talking about, yeah, I pre-downloaded Odyssey, so it's ready to go. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. wait, my yeah. ears sprung up? And I was like, okay, go and click, pre-download. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly what happened to me just a couple minutes ago. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, no, yeah, you're good, man. It's it's some uh, frustrating crap there. But uh, anyways, what I've been doing these past couple weeks, um, speaking of ye old Switch, I've been playing The Flame and the Flood. Hell yeah. That's on my to uh, list. Yeah, it is uh, former um, Bioshock Infinite Irrational Games developers uh, that uh, unfortunately got canned at the end of the, that game's uh, cycle when it was released. Um, and they made this uh, game similar to like Don't Starve or something like that where it's uh, you're just out there trying to survive in the wilderness and and getting food and getting supplies and this that and the other and it's um, as you would probably expect it is pretty damn difficult and it's uh, challenging it's brutal I would say in the way that in the way it treats you you know you gotta like really uh, 
figure your shit out. It's not going to, um, you know, you're not going to start with any food items in your pack or anything like that. So you got to go, um, get rolling as soon as you start the game up. Um, and I got pretty far on my second run. Um, I haven't been back to it since then, but, uh, spent, you know, hours and hours with it just doing that, uh, floating down the river to these different sites that you meet up on your raft. Um, so that's a really cool game. Uh, also, this was something else I was going to mention in our Switch topic, but I'll go ahead and mention it now since I'm talking about this game. One thing, especially with these ports, but uh, I've no I noticed it even with Zelda. Um, these Switch games, man, another logistic thing that really needs to be taken care of and can be taken care of with updates, but I haven't seen any updates that have taken taking care of this and it's been months now since it was the system was released when you're playing it on docked mode on your big screen like you know you can read menus and you can read text uh bubbles if you're playing zelda or whatever on screen just fine but when you go to handheld mode and it's on that tiny little screen there's no formatting change and so a lot of times i noticed this with flame in the flood and like i mentioned other games like I said, there's no formatting change in the text or the menus or anything like that. And so it's formatted for a big screen, but it's not. And so you're kind of squinting. I've had to like, you know, you're playing with it maybe a couple feet away from your face. And then you have to go in real close just to read the menus. And that's just basic shit that should be taken care of. And, and that people should be thinking of when they're porting a game to to a system like this. I realize it's, you know, one of the first major hybrids in the industry and so that's probably why this is happening but it's something that's pretty frustrating and uh definitely should be taken care of so hopefully that'll get better in the future but that is a problem i've noticed with flame of the flood um so besides that uh i've been playing of course shadow of war probably 15 maybe 18 hours into that uh oh yeah just a uh you know a real fun open world to 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 go around and and fuck up orcs and um you know put something else on the side on the second screen and uh just enjoy myself there so uh, i've been playing plenty of that um and then um actually today on my vita they had uh all three games in the zero escape trilogy on sale uh, so I started 999 uh, today on my Vita, which is a Japanese visual novel, if you're not aware, uh, by the same, I think, publisher, Spike Chunsoft, that does uh, Rampa. if you're familiar with those games. So um, pretty cool so far. Uh, it is, you know, it's basically the Japanese version of an American adventure game where you're having to find items and combine them and and uh figure things out little puzzles and get you know trying to escape certain rooms and um you know some of the uh normal concerns that people have or normal issues that people have with those games uh are there uh for example a really funny example i had today was um i was in a fr i got locked in a freezer and I was trying to get out because the, I, the this pipe had bust and frozen uh, the door shut. So I'm trying to like get this ice um, off the door. And there's we have this uh, dry ice, uh, which could help melt it. And uh, it's in a bag. 
and then you can combine items. So I'm looking at, you know, what I have in my inventory. And, uh, you know, I started playing this game with a walkthrough just because the the one of the issues that I have is the first room, like you you start up the game and the very first room that you wake up into is quite a bit more difficult than anything else I've experienced in the game. And I'm a, I'm a decent chunk into it at this point. Um, so it's really uh, kind of weird that it would be that much different and uh, really obtuse the way you have to like put this code together. So um, I'm doing as much as I possibly can on my own and relying on my own intelligence whenever I can. But then if, if I'm just completely stuck, then I just, you know, have this walkthrough open next to me. And usually it's just, you know, one tiny step that I need to figure out and then all the other 10 steps or whatever I'm doing on my own. So anyways, the, ch the, uh, the freezer, I've got this bag of dry ice and I'm like, well, what do I do? What do I combine with it to get them to, you know, to get it to work like they want me to. And I'm trying to like put it in a bottle. I'm trying to, uh, you know, I have a knife that I could like cut it up with or fuck with it with. And I look up on the walkthrough and the solution is to hit it with this piece of frozen chicken that you have in order to break up the dry ice. What? <laughs> I was just like, like, how was I supposed to make that connection? How yeah. was I supposed to make that connection? You know, you have a knife. I could break it up with a knife, but it's like, no, you just hit it with your frozen chicken and then it's good. It's broken up into pieces. I'm like, okay. That's, what, so that's one reason like I that. don't really like adventure games sometimes because it's like they don't do the obvious connection. It's like, no, you got to do yeah. this and this. Come on, dummy. Yeah, mm. and, and people make that comparison all the time. People have that issue a lot, and it sucks because it's great animation it's great storytelling the characters are interesting the uh plot is interesting and and all that but then yeah it's it it falls into the same old uh issues that so many adventure games or japanese visual novels have and so i've just reserved to like i'm not gonna beat my head against brick wall i've talked about this before i have no issue playing with a walkthrough or a guide just because I've beaten hundreds, maybe even thousands of video games in my lifetime at this point. It's not a question of whether I can do it. It's a question of whether I want to take that much time to figure it out on my own. And, and at this point in my life, I just don't. So uh, whenever I get stuck, I've just got that handy dandy guide ready for me. And uh, that's made it, you know, that's alleviated those frustrations for me, fortunately. Um, and I'm not just jumping right to it, you know, I'm, I'm giving myself some time to uh, try to figure the shit out on my own. But I don't know how I would have figured it out, you know, the frozen chicken goes dry with the ice. dry ice. Well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then after you break up the dry ice, then it's like, oh, I could maybe make a bomb. Your character says, oh, I could maybe make a bomb on this with this dry ice. And then it's like, oh, well, I have a bottle. I have an empty bottle. And then I put it in the bottle, and then it's like, all right, well, I have to get it to where it doesn't fall off the door. And then I'm like, oh, well, I have this piece of rope. And so, you know, shit works out after that. Yeah. It's just that hiccup right there. So stuff like that is a little bit frustrating, but so far I'm enjoying it otherwise. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be a super long game, so I'll probably jump on to the next couple after that. And I also have the Danganronpa, Danganronpa games, I should say, on my Vita. So, um, you know, I've... Um, not necessarily dabbled too much in visual novels, but it's certainly something I'd like to get more into, especially since I am so into anime, and that's kind of what they are, uh, the crux of those games is. So, 
yeah, I've been playing all three of those games. Uh, other than that, I've been watching uh, Mindhunter, the Netflix series from uh, executive producer David Fincher, who is uh, one of, if not my favorite directors, film directors. Um, just a little side note, I think that you know David Fincher also executive produces uh, House of Cards on Netflix. And, um, you know, his last movie was in 2014. That was Gone Girl. Um, and where, you know, he's got plenty of movies out at this point, but they're still kind of rare. Um, they're not, you know, every couple years, I would say. And so um, I'm glad. I love, I'll talk about how much I really enjoy this series. And I do enjoy House of Cards as well. But uh, it, sometimes I'm kind of like, well, I want to see you do a film, man, because you're really fucking good at that. You're one of the best out there. Um, and I just got the news this week that he turned down doing Star Wars, which I almost can't even imagine seeing how he's one of the darkest directors in Hollywood doing things like Seven and Fight Club and Zodiac, uh, Girl with the Dragon he Tattoos. He turned like down that. Nine, right? Nine? Oh, Episode Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. See, because I, I could totally see him for like eight, you know what I mean? Because that makes sense um, mm. for the story arc. But like, yeah, Nine's supposed to be like, you know uplifting or you would think at the least triumphant like, yeah. yeah yeah interesting yeah so that was that was kind of odd uh but one thing i was talking about how i'd kind of like him to you know get back to film i'm sure he will at some point but i looked at what he's got upcoming and his next film jared is world war z2 Ugh. i'm like what the fuck now i mean he makes really dark movies yeah. and so he could yeah. have some like really dope zombie film but i just like i haven't seen world war z so i won't judge it but from what i've seen and what i've heard from people it's just it's kind of a basic movie like it's a good movie but it's not great or anything it's like not that. world it's war just... z like if it had any other name it'd be a fine forgettable zombie movie the fact yeah. that it has world war z attached to it, it's kind of even more discomforting because for somebody who read world war z it's like it's nowhere even close it misses the mark on so many accounts like yeah, it, it doesn't even make sense as a movie. It should really be like an anthology series, on like Netflix, mm. a la Black mm. Mirror or something. It just, yeah, I have a lot of gripes with with World War Z starring Brad Pitt. Is the book worth reading? Oh, hundred percent, Jordan. I when you when you if when you when I understood that you hadn't read it yet, I was like, oh, that's weird, because you're usually the one that reads stuff before I do. You know what I mean? <laughs> you would, yeah, you would love it. I, I okay, guarantee you it's I'll take great. that wreck. Yeah. Take that wreck. But uh, yeah, you're saying the same thing I've heard before is that it's kind of just a, a decent zombie movie and not something. It's not like Zombieland or anything that's like subverting the tropes and really making you think or really making you laugh or really making you uh, sit on the edge of your seat or anything. So it's like, why are you doing World War Z2? I would rather you direct Star Wars Episode 9. Like, come on, damn adventure. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just got such a great catalog. Uh, and. So, yeah, that's obviously that's a long side note. But anyways, back to Mindhunter. Mindhunter is a Netflix series. Uh, he directs the first two episodes and the first uh, the last two episodes of the 10-episode season. And uh, he's executive producer, so it has the feel, just like House of Cards has the feel of his, you know, dark and brooding style. And uh, so it's basically about um, these FBI agents who were... Um, researching serial killers back in the late 70s but this was before the term serial killer had really been invented and so 
Um, they mentioned calling them sequence killers, and um, they're going to they're going to these different places around the country and interviewing these guys in jail. And of course, you know it's really some fucked up shit that you see in there. Some really dark conversations, uh, but you know it fits perfectly with David Fincher. It's really interesting how it's historically, uh, you know, a real thing that happened and how. Um, this concept, I mean, not that there weren't serial killers beforehand, obviously, like, you would consider Jack the Ripper a serial killer, but the fact that the term was invented, you know, really only about 30 plus, 35 years ago or so, um, I guess 40 years ago or so, is really interesting. So, this series is really great. Um, I definitely recommend it, um, especially if you are a fan of Fincher, or if you're just a fan of... of uh, psychological thrillers or dramas in general. Um, so really enjoying that. Just a couple episodes away from finishing that up. Um, and anything else I want to shout out? Let me think here. Um, I might end up remembering something by the end of the show, but you know, a lot of it's just keeping up with the weekly series that I already watch. Mindhunters is in my queue. I just finished uh, Atypical, so Mindhunters might be the next thing I have to. Yeah, it's really yeah. good stuff. Um, yeah, let's hop into the news. So, a uh, couple of news stories, and then we're going to be talking about a couple of uh, specific topics. Uh, the first news story, the Connect is officially dead. Really, officially, it's dead. Uh, writes Owen over at Polygon. Um, this shouldn't come as no surprise. This is kind of this is kind of in the making. Um, essentially, Fast Company reported the demise of the motion sensing device introduced in 2010 for the Xbox 360. Um, they are going to stop manufacturing them. Um, they're going to still have support for the Kinect. So if you have one, don't worry, it's still being supported. But if you're planning on buying a Kinect for some reason, if you don't already have one, <laughs> if you have an Xbox, uh, who are you? First of all, exactly. Um, the thing I want to say, since this is kind of our, our send-off to Connect, is uh, it has a lot of uh, warranted gripes for it. I think it was a piece of tech that they had a lot of promise in and didn't obviously live up to that hype and stuff like that. But I personally love my Connect. I use it for voice commands. People say that like theirs doesn't work or they have to yell at it. I personally have never had that experience. My Connect has always worked fine. I've always been able to use it to turn on my Xbox, do certain tasks. I've found it great. That being said, if we could retroactively go back in time and remove it from Xbox 360 and Xbox One, that could lower the price. I wouldn't be opposed to that because it'd be an interesting um, way of seeing how things played out. Um, yeah. One thing I want to say is these people have this idea that if the Kinect wasn't on the Xbox One, it would have sold better. The Kinect being on the Xbox One wasn't the main reason the PS4 got to the lead it, it did. It was... A little attachment to the reason why, but yeah. the Don Matrick thing was the, the the whole reason. You know, people are like, "Oh no, if it didn't have a connect, man, imagine." I'm like, mm, "I don't think it would have been much different." You know, a wise man once said, "Don Matrick can eat a dick." <laughs> exactly. And I, I don't remember who that words. guy is. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I've I I'm gonna miss the connect uh, because I've had a great time with it, but completely understand why it's dying why they're not gonna you know manufacture anymore um yeah i'm glad um, they're giving up on it and moving on you oh know, yeah it had yep. some good memories just with the family especially uh with that stuff it's and just like we did with wii sports but uh 
yeah, that era of gaming is over. And as you and I were talking about before the show, it would be nice if voice controls were uh, implemented more smoothly in the next consoles. Because, you know, people don't really mention it, but PlayStation also has the PlayStation camera, which is uh, required for PSVR. And it's also required if you want to use voice commands um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it'd be nice. We were talking about it'd be nice um if you could just chat using the microphone that would be built into your controller now um, there's something to be said for the fact that uh, a lot of companies have been caught kind of spying on their customers like samsung has uh, microphones in their tvs uh, which is a scary thing because they don't even have voice controls like there's stuff like that where it's really fucked up and weird i've even heard you know stuff about microsoft doing the kind of video spying on people with Kinect so uh, you know there's there's weird stuff there but it would still be nice if it were implemented more smoothly either way you know so yeah that's a write up to the Kinect uh, maybe Dom will say something when he gets back but I don't think he has any experiences really. <laughs> probably well, probably not he had a 360 so he might have some experiences but not a whole lot I don't think the next news story I think is a great news story for Jordan uh, Sunset Overdrive 2 could happen um but Insomniac oh, states that they, yeah. need a, they need a publisher. So yeah. uh, this comes away of Joe Screbbles. I'm not going to read it entirely. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of it. Um, but if you want to read the full article uh, talking about the interview and stuff like that, definitely head over to IGN and check out Joe's uh, article. Um, but basically, uh, Ted Price came out and said they're open to making a sequel for Sunset Overdrive, but they would need a partner for that. Sunset Overdrive is something that I know a lot of our fans talk about wanting to see the sequel. We need a partner for that. That's a big game. Sunset 2 would be a very large scope game. Uh, and also he continued by explaining that because the company wholly owns the IP, a new publisher means it could be multi-platform. This is great because I, the multi-platform thing is great, but I like the fact, I love when developers own the IP they work on um, because it gives them the power for the most part, you know, quote unquote. Um, this is great because this means that they also, because they own the IP, still have all of those assets, which is great. So um, I hope that they find a publisher. I would love for Microsoft to publish it from the sense of it's the a working relationship they already have with Sunset because I think that's the most likely publisher that would publish this game. I don't know who else would jump in and publish this, you know. Um, I, I could think see if Ubisoft. Microsoft was going to do it, they already would. Yeah, I think there's yeah. definitely some publishers that would love to have this, especially with the, the renown that uh, Insomniac has. And I, I said uh, for a long time that Sunset Overdrive is such a PlayStation game, it's not even funny. Like, it would be so at home on that system. And I think that if there was a sequel to come out, uh, on PS4 that it would it would be bonkers, you know, especially with the reception that Ratchet and Clank got and how excited people are for Insomniac Spider-Man, so, you know that's the thing, man, is, is Insomniac is not first party Sony, but they are part of the Sony family, you know and yeah. so for them, to, for them to do that where they jumped over to Microsoft uh, to make an exclusive for them you know, that's fine, they wanted to stretch their wings that's cool, but you guys need to come on home, man. And I'm talking about Sunset Overdrive 2. I think this would also satiate people who want another Infamous and might not get that. Not the same game, yeah. but I mean like playing in a world like that, you know. They're I know up there. You know, yeah. they're close together. Yeah, so awesome. Hopefully that happens. Uh, 
I I enjoyed Sunset. Uh, wasn't something I super fell in love with, but I did like the world and I like the mechanics and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, if for uh, I know there's plenty of people who always have these franchises that they want a sequel to and they never see it. So whenever we hear even the slight possibility of a chance, it's yeah. great. Whether or not I'm, I'm super it... excited for it doesn't matter. I'm happy it's happening for people who want it. So. I'm glad they're open to the possibility, and Ted Price usually seems that way with most of their properties. So I, yeah. I appreciate his uh, openness they're, when it comes I love to that things. him and him and Insomniac are very forward facing too. They're very uh, yeah. communication driven. They like to talk to their fan base and stuff like that. And I love that. Um, I mean, obviously, I've talked about how much I love Ratchet and Clank, uh, and you know even some of insomniac's other stuff i love it's one of my favorite studios always has been and so yeah i totally agree and i think ted price has been in charge of that uh studio forever and i think that uh they don't get enough credit because they're a big studio with multiple teams making awesome games you know they're they're ratchet and crank ratchet and clank uh (laughs) reimagining on ps4 is is obviously very well regarded so yeah shout out to those guys for sure i think they're underappreciated too because like they aren't first party but like naughty god deservedly gets a lot of credit but like people don't often talk about insomniac and for me when i heard that insomniac was developing a console exclusive for xbox even though i didn't end up i didn't end up loving sunset overdrive it still made me so happy because insomniac is a developer i respect to the fullest you know so um the last bit isn't necessarily a news story, but on Thursday, uh, October 26th, uh, as of recording this episode, I want to talk about the big three that came out, uh, that are coming out on the 27th. Real quick, we're not going to have a huge discussion because obviously we're, we're going to have our own opinions on them, but Super Mario Odyssey is currently sitting at a 97, which is like expected. Once again, could be a fantastic game, could be rose-tinted glasses. We don't know yet. I'm super excited for Odyssey. As you said, we're both pre-downloading it. Assassin's Creed Origin is sitting as an eight, at an 84. Personally, what I expected it to sit at, I was pessimistic it could be worse than that, but I'm glad to see that they they hit that. Um, I think a lot of people were on the internet were hoping that this would be like, you know, heh heh heh, Assassin's Creed, terrible. But like, we were talking about this before the show, Assassin's Creed is never terrible. The Assassin's Creed games, at worst, are good games. Like, you know, yeah. Um, that's a game that I'm going to be picking up, not on release, but it's going to be, I'm trying to figure out I'm trying to space them by month, and uh, I'm deciding if I want to do Shadow of War or Assassin's Creed next month after I've uh, gone through Odyssey. Um, but then the other game that I want to get to by the end of the year is currently sitting at a 90, which I think is a surprise out of these three, which is Wolfenstein 2. Um, I expected it to review highly. 90 is higher than I assumed it was going to be, personally. Like, 97 for Odyssey makes sense. 84 for Origins makes sense. Wolfenstein, I was like, man, that could either be like a low 80 or a high 80. I I didn't really see it hitting in the realm of, of 90s, and that's awesome. Because, and we'll have this discussion when Dom gets back, there's this, there's this uh, apocalypse-looking, uh, 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 there's this apocalyptic view of the industry in single-player games. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it's good to see, yeah. Uh, it's good to see a single-player game, solely single-player game, get a 90. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy that Wolfenstein decided to get political all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ever in its history. Um, yeah, that's simply it. I just wanted to talk about the big three real quick. Obviously, we'll have more to say when we actually get our hands on it. Um, Jordan and I will be back next week, and we'll talk about Odyssey, our initial impressions. Uh, and uh, Dom will be back, obviously, and we'll get his impressions when he's back. 
I want to hop into our two topics, though. So our first topic is going to be related to an anniversary that's happening this week as of recording the show. And the second one is going to be about Halloween. So the first topic I want to talk about with you, Jordan, you might have a little bit more to say than me. Uh, so I'll go first and get through what I want to say because I think you'll have a little bit more to say than me. Uh, is uh, PS2 memories. So it's the 17th PlayStation. It's a PS2 uh, anniversary, 17th year anniversary to be exact. Uh, almost legal. And... Uh, yeah, so I just want to talk about our favorite games, what we remember about the system. For me, the GameCube was definitely my primary console at this time. Um, it was at a point where my family didn't have a whole lot of expendable income. So a majority of the time when I was tasked with getting a new game, I would more than likely get it on the GameCube than the PS2. Hence, me not having a whole lot of experiences. And I think I missed out on a whole lot of awesome things. I didn't play Eco. Uh, I didn't play Shadow of the Colossus. I have played it since, but not when I owned a PS2. Um... My big memories I want to go through real quick, Jack and Daxter, obviously, love the Jack and Daxter series. Uh, I didn't play through Ratchet and Clank, just something that didn't vibe with me at the time, which I kind of am upset about that I didn't get into. Uh, PS2 was big with uh, the ESPN 2K NFL games, which there's a whole argument about people wanting the NFL license not to be exclusive anymore, so Madden has a competitor. Um, it was also a big time, if you remember, for the street games. NBA Street, NFL Street, loved those games so much. Um, a shame we haven't seen those come back once again, the Madden exclusive license. Um, another, I'm trying to think of, I didn't play Psychonauts, unfortunately. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, Grand Theft Auto 3, uh, I played. Kingdom Hearts, yep. Um, but like a lot of the big hitters, I didn't play. Like, actually, yeah, God of War as well, I played. Um... But, okay. like, I, I didn't play, like, you know, the Final Fantasies, the Metal Gears, Okami. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, we were younger back then. That yeah. makes sense. Tell me, Jared, did you get up with my boy, Sly motherfucking Cooper? No, I didn't play Sly Cooper either. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's some good, good yeah. shit. So, that's pretty much it for PS2. The only other anecdote I have is that I didn't find out until I had my 360 that you could spin the PlayStation logo on the PS2 to match if you were standing it vertically uh, or horizontally. Yeah. Did I know about that? You're talking about the Slim. Uh, yeah, because that's the that's the one I had. Um, yep, same here. Yeah, that's pretty much it for my PS2 memories. I enjoyed the system, but I didn't get a whole lot out of it. Still had fun with it, but I'm definitely not yeah. the, a, a PS2 guy. You know, it's not the console I claim um, when it comes to it. So. Yeah, so in my opinion, I'd say this is one of the greatest systems of all time and probably would be if not for the fact that it's followed up by, in my opinion, the two greatest systems of all time, PS3 and PS4. I think that, you know, when it's all said and done, it's going to be a toss-up between those two and uh, PS4 could certainly come out on top of it. I mean, PS3 is just the fucking shit all day long. So, uh, but yeah, PS2, man, that's... That's my jam. Um, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, being more of a GameCube kid at the time because I actually, this was the third console of that generation that I got. So I had both a GameCube first and then an Xbox and then PS2 last. The reason being because it was uh, more expensive than the GameCube. And at that time, it was when I was pretty, uh, we, I was a young kid in uh, elementary school and my parents were. Um, it was going to be much more difficult to convince them to buy 
uh, a more expensive console. So I just kind of convinced myself the only way I was going to get one is if I was the yeah. cheapest and, and went ahead and went with the GameCube, which I have so many fond memories of. Uh, I would say that's my favorite uh, Nintendo console. Um, we'll see if they fix some of the issues I have with the Switch and if Virtual Console is ever actually a fucking thing. You know, we've got some some uh, road to cover if uh, Switch is to be uh, taking that crown. But anyways, um, back to PS2. Um, even though I got it a little bit later than the other two in that generation, I still played it uh, probably the most out of those three, I would say. And not only that, but... Uh, um, played it very far. Like, I was still playing that when I had a 360, you know, so still going back to those games. Um, yeah, I think that the games is, is where it succeeded the most. You know, it had a great controller, really solid. It had um, a, a really cool look, even if you had the original fatter one. Um, it was just, I'd say, the coolest looking version, the coolest looking console of that generation. Um, especially that slim. I mean, that slim is just gorgeous. Um, still is. We still got that same one uh, over at my mom's place. So, uh, you mentioned a lot of the games that um, I was super into. Obviously, you didn't play Sly, so um, Sly Cooper is where I got so far into. Uh, so far up, sucker punches ass. You might say, <laughs> since I always talk about them. Um, those are the guys that have been making the infamous games for years now and hope to fucking God they'll reveal the next game at PSX. We'll see what's up then. But, uh, yeah, that's, um, the, the era of the, uh, Sony exclusive platformer with Jack, Sly, and Ratchet is just, um, a really special time, especially since I was, um, like uh, elementary, middle school there, and so it was perfect time for me to be enjoying those games. Um, and then, yeah, you have uh, Kingdom Hearts, which I've talked about before, about how cool that the concept of that game was, and how crazy I think it is still to this day, especially since we're still getting games in that universe, that Disney and Final Fantasy characters were combined for one of the most interesting and, and crazy crossovers of all time in any media. Um, so yeah, I've, I've spoken a lot about Kingdom Hearts, um, but then there's other games, you know, back then I was still into sports games, so I played, you know, I played, you know, like NCAA football and Madden just non-stop on those consoles, you know, you'd have a dynasty going and just, um, play through a whole fucking season with your team and, um, you could customize your jerseys and create teams and stuff. Uh, a lot of fun memories with those. And then, yeah, you mentioned the the street games, which were really fun. Um, which is interesting because I, I almost couldn't be paid to play a sports video game at this point in my life. But uh, <laughs> back then, they were uh, still a really big part of my catalog. Um, and then, you know, still kind of in the sports realm, you've got stuff like ATV, Off-Road Fury... Um, games like that that are more like extreme sports. Of course, the Tony Hawk games are big. Um, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games, I should say. And, uh, yeah, those are a lot of fucking fun. Did you play those back in the day? Like, especially like ATV, you play those games? No, I was never a car or like... Even Ugh. ATV, it's not a racing game. It's technically like a racing but they just never did it for me. They seem really boring. Um, Speaking But Tony Hawk, I played... Cars. 
Hell yeah, of course. But speaking of cars, got to give a shout out to uh, Burnout 3 Takedown, which uh, I fucking love. It's not, I wouldn't say it's my favorite Burnout game. That's that's probably Revenge. Um, Was Driver on the PS2? Sorry to interrupt you. I think so. I like Driver a lot, which is weird because I yeah. don't like racing games, period, but I like Driver a lot. Yeah. Which is weird because that was like kind of the uh, like the poor man's need for speed or burnout at the time, yeah. which is funny. But yeah. Um, yeah, those racing games I loved. I loved uh, Burnout Three Takedown, <clears throat> and then uh, you got Need for Speed, like the underground games, and then I mean they had tons of Need for Speed games back in that time. Um, and then uh, you know, of course, I got to give a special shout out, Jared. A very, very special shout out to one of the greatest video games I knew that, it was, coming. <laughs> uh, was ever created and, and certainly Naughty Dog's best game by a mile. I mean, Jack X Combat Racing, <laughs> does it get any better than that? I think uh, one of my favorite parts of that game is the uh, the little banter that they have while they're racing around and uh, Jack would constantly be going wham bam thank you ma'am because you're having it's like combat racing right obviously it's in the title and so you're like blowing people up and then he'd say that line all the time I'm like fuck yeah dude um uh, funny thing I don't know if I've ever mentioned about that game Jared they had uh and I found this I read this on Wikipedia after I had already bought the game and was having issues with it they had a manufacturing issue with the discs yeah and they wouldn't necessarily play right. Um, and so the solution that I found before I actually even read the Wikipedia article was to just put the game case itself on top of my PS2 because it would just think that I had ejected the disc when I really I hadn't. Um, and I was having trouble with it fucking with my saves and stuff. So I would just put the empty case itself on top of my PS2. Uh, I would never put something on top of my console otherwise, but... I found that that gave it just the enough right amount of pressure to keep that disc where it needed to be from um, fucking up. So really rare issue there. Um, trying to think of any other PS2 gems that I'm missing. I'm sure there's some. You know, the Battlefront games are obviously a big deal. Guitar Hero, I remember getting... I still have the box um, from Guitar Hero 2 where I got the red guitar and the game... Um, man, I could I could go on and on and on about uh, was PlayStation Tumba, Two. Was Tumba a PS Two game? I think that's PS One. You got some some funny <laughs> uh, choices here with your with your poor man's platformers man, and your poor to- man's Tomba, racing games. Tumba deserves deserves a, a, re, a, a reimagining. I wouldn't say a remaster. That game would not yeah. hold up today. Uh, I'm checking real quick. I did a little bit of research. Yeah, it's PlayStation, and then it's backwards compat on PS3. So, unfortunately, Tumba, you don't make the list. Get out of here. <laughs> Since you are already surfing the web, would you mind going to PS2's uh, Metacritic list and seeing what the, some of the other, you know, just looking at the top games? Let's see here. Hold on. Yeah, I got to go to Legacy real quick. I think that's where I had to go. Let's see. Um, Going back into the archives. Top top ten PS2 games. I'll run you through the list real quick before we head okay. to the Halloween topic. <clears throat> ten, Devil May Cry. Nine, sure. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4, which I was a fan of. Eight, Madden NFL 2003. Nice. Seven, Gran Turismo 3. Nice. Six, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. 
5, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, 4, Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, nice. Resident Evil 4, 2, Grand Theft Auto 3, and the number one PS2 game of all time, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Jack 3. Jack X. <laughs> oh. It's funny that, uh, you know, several of those games, it's obvious why I didn't play those when I was fucking yeah, in elementary exactly. school, you know, playing GTA or whatever. My mom would never have allowed that, but... Uh, yeah, a lot of those are more mature games, but that's another good point, Jared, is that uh, a lot of the games that I played, you know, as remasters on PS3 or maybe even the PS2 classics since I can't play the fucking PS2 games that I bought on PS3 on my PS4, um, but games like, yeah, you mentioned Metal Gear Solid 2, the Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 Snake Eater is, uh, I would say, my favorite Metal Gear game. Um, that's obviously a PS2 game. Snake Eater's fucking awesome. Uh, prequel to the entire series, so you don't need to know all this crazy knowledge. Um, and it introduces uh, all these different characters in such interesting ways. It's a, it's like, a, you know, it has this intro, like a, a James Bond movie, and, it, and it's this... Um, this really interesting thriller where you're going through a jungle that doesn't exist in Russia and uh, going through all this crazy shit. You witness uh, Big Boss's eye, uh, him losing his eye for the eye patch, and it's so much cool stuff about that game. So yeah, there's there's a bunch of games I didn't mention that I didn't play on the PS2, but are still PS2 games. You know, so yeah. Shout out to that console, man. Great console. Yeah. Um, before we head out really quick, I wanted to... Um, what we're going to do, Jordan, very simple. I want... Since it's Halloween time, uh, this is going to come up before Halloween, or at least on Halloween Day. I want each of us to request one horror game that we feel like people should play since they're in the mood for horror. Um, really quick, I'm going to exclude the games that came out this year just because I think we should say something older, but... If you haven't been paying attention this year, really good horror games. Outlast 2, fantastic. Resident Evil 7, fantastic. Evil Within 2, looks looks good. Um, especially if you're a fan of, of Evil Within. And uh, Little Nightmares, doesn't get a lot of talk. Uh, 2D platforming horror game, I think is really good. Doesn't get talked about enough. It's one that I, I hear shout-outs for it, you know. Yeah. I definitely hear that. And uh, also shout-out to Observer. We've yep, talked exactly. about that on this yep. show. Um, I'll go first real quick. It was a toss-up for me, personally, because it's like thinking about your favorite horror... I, I shouldn't say this isn't our favorite horror game. This is a game we recommend. Um, yeah. I'm going to cut mine into two two things, because I'm not going to say a whole lot. I think Until Dawn is a game you should play if you own a PS4. I think nice. it's great. Uh, it's one I of guess my you've f- watched people play through it since you don't have the console. Exactly. And I still got enough enjoyment out of it. Like I could just imagine playing through the game. Um, I wish Xbox had a game like that. Uh, I wish more games mm-hmm. like Until Dawn existed, where it's... Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, I don't know, big budget Telltale, I guess, or something you'd call it. I don't know. Yeah, kind um, of, yeah. So, yeah, I think Until Dawn is great. Play it with a significant other. Play it by yourself. Play it with friends. I think it's a good time. Um, and the other one I want to talk about that doesn't get a whole lot of talk, because I could say Dead Space and stuff, which I love Dead Space, but I think that's something people already know about. I, I was going to say we should at least, just between the two of us, yeah. since we are such a big fan of that game, and the studio just got totally bent over and closed down i think we should at least give that an honorable mention yeah dead space for sure if you don't know about that game you should go play it um 
yeah, one of the one of the coolest. I think they they were very creative with the shooting mechanics and the HUD yeah. and everything. Fantastic game. Um, hearing my friend on the Xbox party play through that game for the first time earlier this year <laughs> and still be scared out of his mind was great. Um, Hell yeah. The, the game I want to shout out, though, real quick, is Amnesia The Dark Descent, and it also has a sequel Fuck called yeah, Amnesia dude. A Machine for Pigs. Uh, these are PC Fuck games yeah. that I don't know if they ever got ported to console. I know they never came to Xbox. I'm not, not sure Not only if they came that, to Jared, but the Amnesia Collection is... It was either last month, but I think it's this month, is f- free on PS Plus. Worth it. These games are fantastic. F- yeah. I mean, they're not, like, they're not pushing high-end graphics, but the atmosphere no. and the sense of dread and just the weird the mechanics. shit that happens. Yeah. Um, True survival horror. Exactly. I love the Amnesia games. I think they're some of the most underappreciated horror games out there. Uh, absolutely love them. Um, there's a lot of other games we can say, but I don't want to go on forever because we are running long. So, yeah, for me, Amnesia and Until Dawn, I would say. And obviously Dead Space goes without saying. So, what about you? Hell yeah. So, I'm going to give a shout out to a game that... Uh, you kind of already mentioned you mentioned Outlast 2 which came out yeah. this year but I want to shout out the original which I played earlier this year um, Outlast and also it's DLC Whistleblower are fucking fantastic first person uh, survival horror and the concept of them is very cool the uh, mechanics uh, which absolutely are influenced by Amnesia um, are very well done uh, you've got this camera. You're like a journalist, so you've got this camera, uh, like a a camcorder type deal that only has so much battery, but that's the only way that you have uh, night vision. Um, and it's just a very terrifying game. Very good atmosphere. You're going through this insane asylum. Um, I have yet to play Outlast 2, even though I have it downloaded. I'm definitely thinking of that being my Halloween game for this year, but. Uh, absolute shout out to the original outlast i love that game and then an honorable mention for me jared which is in my opinion one of the best uh stealth horror games not horror stealth but it's a stealthy horror game that most people don't give it the credit for being uh having the horror elements that it does and that's the original bioshock hell yes a lot of people don't realize that this in a lot of ways is a fucking horror game um this is the only game that's made me uh you know i'm I'm a lot less terrified especially when it comes to movies and horror because um i'm really into uh the production of film uh, video production itself uh was my major before i dropped out of college and so um, a lot of times I'm, I'm looking at things from a completely different angle and I'm kind of able to see behind the scenes, even if I'm not watching an actual behind the scenes featurette. So, um, that kind of takes some of the scariness out of horror games. I get why some people are, are almost unable to watch certain horror or play certain horror cause they get so into it. Um, but that is, uh, some ways a good thing for me because then it does, it means that there's nothing too scary for me to to experience but uh the reason i explain that is because the original bioshock was one of if not the only uh game but even piece of media that has ever truly terrified me and the only game that has made me uh scream out loud in terror uh the 
part where you go into this area where it's it's one of the only parts like this in the game, Jared, where uh, you walk into this room and it's got like these grassy areas and it's like oh, a park inside. Yeah. yeah. And the guy with like the the mask, he's the splicer with the mask, and I think it has like horns coming off of it. Am I? You remember yeah. this? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep, I think they're horns. He, he's chasing after you, and he can, uh, like, disapparate almost, like a Harry Potter reference there for you. He can, he can teleport, I guess is the way to put it. Um, and uh, so he can just teleport around while you're trying to find him and kill him. And I was running around, you know, in Bioshock, it's a first-person shooter. You're picking up ammo. You're picking up items along the way. I'm trying to find him. He's he's really quick with his uh, teleportation, and it's hard to fuck with him. And so I, I go into this corner, and I'm picking up this ammo or whatever, and then I turn around, and he's right behind me, and he just teleported right behind me while I had turned around oh, wow. uh, towards the wall. So I turn back around, and he's just right there in my face, and I'm like, ah! You know, like, freak the fuck out. <laughs> and uh scared the shit out of me and um yeah with the splicers and the atmosphere of that game and just so many of the the levels that you encounter that game has a lot of horror um the uh i'm trying to remember the guy the artist's name uh you remember who i'm talking about the artist uh hr geiger that What's that? No, 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 not uh, a real artist. Though, shout okay. out to to, to Giger <laughs> right now. You know, since yeah. we're talking Dead Space, which is heavily influenced by Alien. Um, no, he's the artist within the Bioshock universe. That oh, uh, um, dang it, the name escapes me. I yeah, it's uh, let me it's Google on real the quick. Tip of my hold tongue. on, let me see. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, but his level is so fucking scary. It's so bone chilling, and and the. You know, just the the degradation that that society has gone through is really horrific. And so, yeah, that game is a stealth horror game in a lot of ways. And a lot of people don't talk about it in that sense. But definitely one of my favorite horror games, if you ask me. I'm trying to look for um, it real quick. Uh, trying to find it. But he's got some really scary parts when you go into his area. And he's like, you know, playing with shadows. And he's banging on his piano. And he's... Got Sander Cohen? Sander Cohen, that's correct. Yes, indeed. Uh, very interesting character. Uh, very scary part of the game. Uh, very scary part of a uh, truly terrifying game in many ways. So, a Halloween shout out to Bioshock. Yeah, um... and it's something, you know, there's a lot of scary parts in Bioshock Infinite, but it's something that you don't get nearly as much because in the original Bioshock, you're down underwater where the the light is only coming from inside the actual installation. So there's no, it's not like Infinite where you're up in the clouds and there's sunlight beaming in from every single angle for the most <laughs> part of the game. You know, it's like... That really changes up the atmosphere, and uh, I think that's the that's really what Bioshock is. And so when they went to Infinite, it is a good Bioshock game, but it lost a lot of what I think that series uh, should really be about. Um, yeah, I think with that, uh, those are horror recommendations. I think best horror vertical slice goes to PT. Um, a shame we'll never Fuck see yeah, that. Yeah, we gotta give game. a shout out to that. Yeah, give a shout out to that. Um, but yeah, let's hop into, before we head out, let's hop into what we're going to be playing. Um, Odyssey, uh, obviously, is a, is a no-brainer for us. Um, going to be doing the Destiny Raid again, trying to get that raid armor completed. 
what else am I going to be playing? Trying to think about it. Going to be maybe if I have time, uh, you know, chipping away at Cuphead. Nothing else for me. I don't think too much on my plate. As far as movies and TV go, I'm almost done with season three of Rick and Morty. I just finished. Fuck eight. yeah. Yeah, I'm really close to the end. I'm really loving that show. Um, and I recently finished Atypical, which is a Netflix original series. And it's a coming-of-age story about a, uh, a high school kid with autism. I think it's a really good show because it's entertaining and it also sheds a lot of light on autism in general, something that is kind of still a taboo topic in the United States. Um, it's not mm. something we have a lot of stories pertaining around. Like, There's not a lot of stories about autistic people um, that aren't uh, documentaries. Um, you know what I mean? This is cool because it basically paints autistic people just like anybody else, you know? Coming-of-age story, showing how they deal with things in real life just like anybody else does. Um, great acting. Um, the story's really Speaking good, Speaking of the acting, uh, if I can draw a line there, if I'm correct, the boy who is the main autistic character in that show is the boy from a room movie that I absolutely recommend during this season. It Follows. I'm pretty sure that's the same guy the from same uh, It Follows. It might uh, be. And I absolutely, if you have not watched It Follows, highly Fantastic. recommend that. That is a wonderful horror movie. Um, and also, uh, I haven't gotten around to seeing Blade Runner. I'm still going to see it. It's just I've been busy. So as far as my movie schedule goes, it's pretty busy because I, I still want to see Blade Runner. That's not something I'm just skipping on and waiting till DVD. It's something I still want to get to the theaters and see, um, which is unfortunate that a lot of people don't feel like me. Um, the... Yeah. Uh, it's a big I think it's a big couple of weeks for movies. I'm interested in seeing Jigsaw 2, which I'm kind of like hopefully optimistic on, you know. Uh yeah. <laughs> I love Saw did, 1 I, 2 3. It didn't look very good. Yeah, the, I the love The trailer did not look very good. I love Saw 1 2 and 3. I don't really consider 4 through 7 they're not my Saw trilogy. Uh <laughs> and uh, I actually I've only seen the original Saw and I really did not like it very much. Wow. I thought it was okay. Yeah. I thought it was you know, I felt like people have been overrating it. Um Yeah, so I I really want to see Jigsaw. Um but that's one that I might just wait till DVD or, you know, digital or whatever. Sure. That's something I'm not You could do that. Um then you excited for Thor? Yeah, Thor comes out November 3rd. That's what I was going to say. Super stoked for that. November 5th, there's the limited run of Pokemon the movie I Choose You, which I'm super stoked nice. for. Definitely want to see that if it's in theaters near me. Um, there's uh, the Win this horror movie, the Winchester something, something that comes out in the next couple of weeks. It has a... Uh, I think. Uh, not Kate Blanchett. It has... Um, I can't remember her, her name. Helen Mirren? Yeah, that sounds right. I think it has Helen Mirren in it playing the yeah, lead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Justice League, which I'm hopefully optimistic for. Interesting stuff uh, that it's going to be less than two hours, which is crazy considering we're used to the Zack Snyder two and a half hour movies. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And I think or the director's cut, which is pushing three. Well, and the interesting thing is a lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait because it's condensed and it might be that it'll tell a more linear story and everything will be a lot tighter fit and everything will be a lot more easy to understand. My worry we'll is that. If it's a movie that was meant to be a two and a half hour movie and they condense it, right. what if it's even more confusing because you condense everything? Yeah. You know, that's my big issue. I want Justice League to be good. If you're a fan of Marvel movies, you should want Justice League to do well and you should want the DCEU yeah. to do well because competition yeah. is best for everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. I'm stoked for a bunch of movies. Going to be playing Super Mario Odyssey. I cannot wait, man. I Fuck yeah. cannot wait. Also, we I'm going to be picking hours up. Hours away. 
I know. I'm going to be picking up Dead by Daylight because my friends wanted to play through uh, play that. It's a multiplayer horror game, and it's on sale, so I'm going to pick that up yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Yep, that's pretty much it for me. What about you, Jordan? Yeah, so uh, got Mario Odyssey downloaded. I don't know if you did this, Jared, but it also there's a system update as yep. well, so I would got recommend that. that. Uh, so uh, Mario Odyssey unlocks in about three and a half hours. Very excited for that, and you know probably uh, I'll probably play a little bit of both that and AC tonight. Um, then uh, yeah, as you mentioned, the couple of movies coming out pretty soon. I'm really excited about. Got my ticket for Thor after our podcast after we record our podcast next week. Hell yeah. And then, yeah, I've been, um, you know, with Justice League, that's something I've been waiting around for since, uh, you know, probably 10 plus years they, reading articles about them making that Justice League movie. So They released another trailer this week. I didn't see it. I'm like, <laughs> another trailer? Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Guys out there listening, the no trailer life is great. Incredible. It's so good. I mean, you know, video game trailers are different because I want to see the gameplay. I want to see if yeah. it's something I'm interested in. Um, but movie trailers, it's so great not knowing anything about a movie when you walk into it. And I love that. So, um, some of the stuff that I was wanting to talk about at the beginning of the show that I was forgetting on was, uh, the comics that I've been reading. So, um, stop me if you're interested in any of these comics, Jared, I read one through five of the old guard Uh, on my list. Really great. Um, it is on your list. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a really great image comic. Most of these are probably going to be image comics because they're fucking on fire right now. Uh, but the old guard is about these immortal beings who have like uh, an elite squadron uh, of um, kind of assassins, I guess you'd say. And uh, really, really cool. The art's really interesting. The coloring, I think I like more than the actual pencils themselves. Uh, the the drawings themselves are a little bit off, especially the characters' faces. Like they all, for some reason, all the characters have like uh, really ugly noses. Like they just look like they all look like butt faces, <laughs> in a way. Like some really fucked up noses in this in this comic. But other than that, really really good stuff. Um, and then uh, I've been reading uh, Batman. Uh, <clears throat> both Scott Snyder's run which I I never was able to finish even though I started it a couple times as well as uh, catching up on the most recent Batman which I've uh, kind of been going through a little bit slower than they've been released so I'm not too far behind about 10, 10 issues behind there or, or so I should say and then also reading <clears throat> Scott Snyder's new Batman which is All-Star Batman uh, which is about uh, it's kind of a complicated plot, but basically Bat- Two-Face is uh, able to release all of everybody's uh, online secrets, so it were. Um, and so uh, Batman is getting him away because... Um, getting him away from Gotham, I should say, because uh, everybody's trying to, to get to Two-Face. And uh, so Batman's trying to get him out of there, and so it's a really interesting, like, weird, fucked-up road trip that they're on uh, that he's carrying us through, and it's really, really good. And the the art by John Romita Jr. is, is really fucking cool and, and very colorful, something you don't really see a lot of in Batman. Um, at least these popping, you know, brighter colors, I should say. Um, so really cool stuff there. Uh, I gotta give a a huge shout out to Black Cloud, which is also Image, and it is about, 
um, a world where imagination can become reality. So kind of like if you wrote a story or or if you drew a character, you would be able to turn it into a real thing. And uh, it's, you know, got multiple dimensions and um, some really trippy stuff. I want to say, you know, I've talked about... uh, um, psychedelic experiences before on the show and I think that I've realized especially this week how deeply ingrained that is in comics right now uh, especially in the uh, more independent scene with image and stuff like that so um, it's really cool to see that uh, comic writers and, and, and artists are absolutely embracing that and uh, something I love so something that's very close to my heart um, and then also I gotta give a gigantic shout out to our boy, uh, we we love shouting out Max Landis, um, his his mini series Superman American Alien, seven books, seven issues, and uh, you know, I'm not a huge Superman fan for a lot of the reasons that most people don't like Superman, but uh, you know, obviously I'm really fucking into Batman and I love DC. You know, I love Superman and the Justice League and stuff like that, but his solo comics have never really tickled my fancy but man this one is so well done it's a different artist for every issue that max landis writes and um really well done really cool stuff uh that he uh puts that character through and um just some of the spins that he that he gives to it um are almost telltale-esque the way that they're treating their batman story right now um so very very highly recommended uh you know, almost can't say enough nice things about that and about Black Cloud too. I got some, some uh, really happy with the way those those two series have turned out. So, um, reading some other comics too, but uh, that's what I'll leave it at because uh, those were some of my favorites that I've been touching upon. So um, that, but uh, yeah, I'll probably finish up Mine Hunter as well. Um, very excited to see the conclusion of that first season it looks like they're going to be doing more of that and i'm really into psychological thrillers and crime thrillers and stuff like that so and obviously david fincher so um very cool stuff there and uh, yeah like we said those those cool movies coming out we got awesome games coming out of course i should give a shout out to stranger things season two also coming out tomorrow a lot of good media uh, entertainment coming out tomorrow on October 27th, 2017. So, um, lots of cool stuff, man. Happy fucking Halloween, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. It's a good time to be alive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, that was episode 76. Not to be, be confused with 176, which I was about to say. <laughs> um, adding an extra 100 episodes. Uh, yeah, so we're not going to have Dom next week. It's going to be another two, two man podcast. Um, but if you can, please follow us on Twitter. We're at CTRLINT. That's controlled interest abbreviated. I am at Jared underscore. Uh, Jordan is at Mellow Modus. And Dom is at Dom's Oreos. Um, as well, if you can, please go and follow us on iTunes and rate and review us. That would definitely help us out as well. It always does. Subscribe to us on YouTube, as always. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty much it's going to be a heavy week of gaming. A lot of stuff coming out. I didn't even mention Stranger Things Season 2 coming out, too, which is, like, another thing right. on top of the... So much. So much to do. October 27th will go down in history. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>